Amen. You ready for the word this morning? Uh, Real quick, two board members, you all know that there's a quick uh, board meeting after the service this morning. Uh, So if you would uh, meet with me uh, in my office just for uh, a short board meeting after the service this morning. Don't forget. So we've been in this series now for for a week, and last week we started this series called Unqualified. And it's, 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 it's dealing with the fact that a lot of us don't feel like we measure up, right? We don't feel like we have what it takes to be in service for the Lord or uh, to do what He has called us to do. And I know some of us are in roles or in positions and a lot of times that we just sort of feel like we're a warm body just filling a position. But God has called you into service for Him. God has given you certain giftings and certain, uh, certain personalities, etc., so that you can serve Him with everything and every, everything you are. And, and a lot of times we don't feel like we measure up, and the, and the question that we wrestle with a lot of us in our whole life, really, uh, and, and you may not even realize it, is, do I have what it takes? That's the question a lot of us real, uh, uh, wrestle with. Do I have what it takes? And a lot of people we interact with on a daily basis, uh, everybody you encounter that you've, you ever will encounter has dealt with this question, and probably all deals with this question um, silently, if not right out, and they speak it, they say, do I have what it takes? And if you think you're going to get to a point in your life uh, where you discover an answer to that, that's awesome. You know, when you start to have that, uh, I think I do, do I have what it takes? You start to discover this answer to that question. And and you get to that point and the whole game changes when you think, you know what, God has equipped me. God has gifted me in certain areas. And I I really do have what it takes because of His grace and His giftings and all this. Uh, it's a real game changer when you realize that, when you get to that point. So it doesn't really matter if you're, you're 60 years old trying to figure out if you have what it takes to, uh, to kind of grow, grow old gracefully, or if you're 16 years old trying to figure out what it takes. Do I have what it takes to sort of grow up successfully? You're always answering this question, do I have what it takes? It's the question that never seems to go away. In our last teaching last week on being unqualified, we looked at a man who had to answer that question, knowing that he was a murderer. You all remember who that was? Moses, right. He had to, he had to answer that question knowing that he was, a, he was not really, uh, that he was a murderer. He was thought in his mind he was falling short and he not really knowing who the God was that was calling him to do these great things. And when we left Moses, he was at a burning bush. And God revealed His name to Moses. God told Moses, My name is? I am. And Moses, we said, you know, hold on. Moses is like, you, okay, I am. Uh Uh-huh. I am. Yes, sir. Go ahead. You know, and we said, what is this like? I am that I am. What is this, Dr. Seuss? What is this, Lord? And we unpacked that last week. And, and God gave Moses not only get the gift of the revelation of who he was, but God gave Moses the gift of his own identity. God would, in many ways, said to Moses, I am, and you, all, you are also. Interesting, though, in that passage, which we commonly call, what, Moses and the burning bush, there's a little addendum that most people don't even mention. Most people don't even see it. You know, God gives Moses his, Moses his name. He says, I am. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, but the Bible says in verse 15, if you want to get your Bibles, we're in Exodus chapter 3. He says this in verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you go there and you tell them who I am. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob 
has sent me to you. This is my name, God says, forever. Forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, God's giving him a generational picture of his character. And and I understand it to a point. The, The God of Abraham, right? Abraham. Come on, it's Abraham. You know, this is the guy that God chose out of Ur of the Chaldeans. The one that was brought out of seeming obscurity and called to sacrifice his own son. Remember the story of Abraham. He was willing to do it, and God didn't make him do it. But once God tested him and found out that he would do it, God knew that he could trust him. And an entire nation of Israel was born out of Abraham. So I understand God pointing to Abraham. Okay, we can get there. And I understand Isaac, right? The son who had to be laid upon the altar. That was Abraham's son. I understand the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham. But it's that part where God says that I'm the God of Jacob. That really messes with me. Let me remind you of the account of, uh, in the Bible about Jacob and Esau. Anybody know the story of Jacob and Esau? Even a little bit? So the story of Jacob and Esau, his brother... Um, some of us know it, but some like me, like I remember being in church at one point in my life and having never heard any of these stories. I didn't know who David was or really anybody else, Paul, Jacob, Isaac. I didn't know any of these stories. So let me remind you that it's, it's actually a pretty epic story, right? It's, it's, it's a pretty heavy, um, epic, memorable story because it happens uh, in several chapters of the book of Genesis, And some of you will recall how Jacob and Esau, they were actually, before they were born, twins in the womb. Before they were born, they were wrestling in their mother's womb. Remember that? Uh, They were wrestling and how they were fighting before they were even born. The Bible says they were wrestling uh, into in, in, in the mother's womb. And if you tell this story to kids at some point, I'd love to see their reaction to this this account. And parents of boys, they'll especially relate to that part that Esau and Jacob were, turned their mother's womb into like an octagon, right? Right then, it's like a UFC fight. Now Jacob, in order to be born first, was grabbing at his brother Esau's heel, right? Pulling him back, saying, not today, sucker. No way. Mm-mm. Because uh, being first born was important. It was a big deal in their culture. So this is the way the Bible lays it out. Uh, because the firstborn would have gotten a double portion of the blessing or the inheritance of the family. And so Jacob instinctively wants to come out first. And he's going to be second in the birth order. And, And when he comes out, he's grabbing at his big brother's heel, the Bible tells us. But it doesn't work. He is actually born second. And all of his life, this seemed to bother Jacob. So much so that Jacob tried to swindle Esau's birthright, his, his, the right to the father's blessing and the father's inheritance to that firstborn son. In fact, one time uh, Jacob cooked him a bowl of beans and Esau was so hungry because, you know, when your emotions are in all kinds of states of hunger, you end up making dumb decisions. Somebody say amen. And through this scheme of Jacob, Esau ended up selling his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of beans. Now fast forward several years and there's a famous story about how Jacob stole Esau's blessing and how he dressed up like his brother Esau. Remember that? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that story into you in just a minute. But I want you to see that uh, commonly in Scripture, the, the right hand is the hand that represents authority and blessing. And how Isaac, before he was getting to re- make preparations to die, Isaac being the father, uh, 
he calls in his firstborn son Esau that he could give him the blessing, the double portion, right? And, and how Jacob saw it as an opportunity. He dressed up in Esau's clothes. Esau was out, out busy. He was hunting. So Jacob says, now's my opportunity to get the blessing because he felt like he could put on some clothes so that he would feel like Esau. And he went to his father Isaac and his father Isaac by this time couldn't see. And, and so his father reached out and when he felt, felt the garment, he felt the hairy garment, he thought it was Esau because Esau was hairy. Esau was like, like rugged, like a man's man, like Duck Dynasty, like rugged, hairy. And so he, he thought it was Esau and he said, he said, okay, and he gave him the blessing. He laid his right hand on Esau's head, and he blessed him, and he gave him the blessing. And Esau had been, really been out hunting. He didn't even know the whole thing was going on. And so by the time Jacob had moved out with the blessing, it was sort of too late for Esau, like what's done is done. And Esau got blessed, but he didn't get that right hand of blessing. You know, it's interesting how we're born with this me-first mentality, isn't it? Get no, uh, sucker, no way. Me first, and we push our way through. Me, I gotta, my, me first. And the Bible says that Jacob was posturing and preening for position even before he was even born, and that means it wasn't something that he had learned to do. It was just something that he did. And we can go through life with that whole mentality. And the reason it's interesting to me that God brought up Jacob to Moses. It's because Jacob spent his whole life deceiving. He would lie. He would cheat if he had to cheat. He'd lie if he had to lie. He'd manipulate if he had to manipulate. And yet, God blessed him. The 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob. So you talk about somebody who's unqualified. Jacob fits the bill. And yet he was blessed. So I want to go back to that passage in Genesis chapter 27. If you get there with your Bible or your app, or whatever you have this morning, it'll be on the screen too, where Jacob is coming in before his father Isaac, and he's trying to get this blessing dressed in Esau's clothes. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 22. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, and he touched him, and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So he proceeded to bless him, and he asked him a question. He said, are you really my son Esau? I am, he replied. Jacob said, I am. Remember last week we talked about those few words, those couple words there, I am. And how that is the name of God when he wants to identify himself. He says, I am. Now we see Jacob taking on a false identity, putting on a costume of sorts. Right? He puts that on to kind of make it seem like he is something that he's not in order to get a blessing that he wants in his life. And I wonder, are there any costumes that you've worn? Or is there any times that you've pretended to be something in order to get what you wanted? I see it happening all the time, especially in an age where it's so easy for us to filter an image or an online profile for people to see the parts of us that we want them to see. It's especially good and easy in a time where it's easy to create an avatar and live kind of behind a mask of how you would want people to perceive you. I see Jacob coming to get the blessing from his father Isaac dressed in a costume. And I see all those times when we've entered into a situation and tried to present ourselves as something other than we really are in order to get the approval of other people. Really, that's what Jacob was looking for. 
We try to portray something that we're really not. Sometimes it can be online, you know, what you put out to get likes. The problem is that when we got caught up in, in comparison, we get, we get caught up. And I've said this before, you know, we compare our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels and we think we don't measure up. We think we don't have, we'll have what it takes to raise a family, to go out and do, uh, to have a successful life. And sometimes it can be, be the way you spend your money. You try and convince people that you've got it together. It could be what you wear, it could be where you live, it could, and there's nothing wrong with these things on the surface, unless at a deeper, deeper level, you don't even know who you really are. If God were to change me all at once, if God were to give me a new identity, then all of my actions and behaviors and beliefs would perfectly align with that new identity, I'd be okay. The fact of the matter is, seems like there's always a wrestling match. That battle between who God says you now are and who you still feel like. When Jacob finished stealing the blessing from his father, he spent over 20 years on the run. He gets the blessing and Esau comes back into the house and actually Esau tries to kill Jacob, but Jacob is fast and he starts moving and he moves to his uncle Laban's house where he spends the next 20 plus years dislocated from his family and from really the epicenter of his faith. He's on the run, and in this time he has children, he, he has wives, and in, in, in some sense I guess you could say that his plan worked. It looked like he was doing alright. So you would say, you know what, it turned out okay for him. You know, he, he kind of went on and he had, you know, he had wives and family and, and children. And, but I guess I would ask you the question, if his plan worked, did it really work? In other words, after getting his blessing by pretending to be something that he wasn't, Jacob had to spend the next two decades on the run. Was it really a blessing? Is it really a blessing to get people to like you if it's not even you that they really like? Is it really a blessing to be impressive to others in order to, if in order to impress him, you were, you were out of place in security, in insecurity, masquerading the true you in order to be accepted by someone whose opinion really doesn't matter anyway? We need to come to the conclusion in our lives that we might get people to accept us on the basis of what we show them. We might get Isaac to bless us on the basis of what we dress in. You know, some, some of us look at that, you know, you might get a job that way, you might get a boyfriend, a girlfriend that way, but the real blessing of God only comes when you discover who you are in Him. Remember in the Follow the Cloud series, we, did, we said that you have to discover who you are and what God has called you to do. I guess what I'm trying to say is that when it's all said and done and it's all stripped away and it comes down to it, away from the accomplishments and achievements and the improvements or the approval of others, the one thing that we can look at through really Jacob's actual life is that God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless who you pretend to be. I'd love... I'd love for you to get that this morning because there's great liberty in that as well as great challenge. He can only bless who you really are. So the question of this message, do I have what it takes, begins with the answer to the question, who are you, really? And do you really believe that that's enough? Who are you in Christ? Who are you uh, to your church? Who are you to your kids? Who are you in your marriage? Who are you in your singleness? Who are you? 
I thought that was a great place to play that song by the who. Who are you? Somebody, yeah, somebody said amen. Who are you really and do you believe that that is enough? Do you know that it took Jacob nearly 97 years to meet himself? We know this because the Bible says after 20 years in hiding from Esau, he was on his way to his homeland, hopefully to reconcile with his brother, who he had stolen so much from already. And the Bible says in Genesis 32, and verse 24, that when Jacob was left alone, see, I love that phrase, first of all, that he had accumulated animals and flocks and herds, and he had accumulated family and some... some measure of financial success. He had a lot to boast of, but when he was left alone, he actually discovered who he was. And this is a pivotal passage in the scriptures, and it definitely defines Jacob in his life, because it says, when he was left alone, a man wrestled with him till daybreak. You see a theme in, in Jacob's life here? A lot of wrestling going on. He starts off life wrestling with Esau, trying to be first. Now he's 97 plus years old and he's still wrestling. Only this time he's wrestling in the darkness and he doesn't even know who he's wrestling with and, and he wrestles until daybreak. And the Bible says in verse 25 that when the man saw that he couldn't overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And this was some kind of a some kind of a supernatural, you know, this wasn't like Miyagi-Do karate. This was some kind of a supernatural. Anybody with me this morning? So he had this, oh, and he, he wrenched his hip. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, and here he goes again, I will not let you go until you bless me. I love this man's tenacity, right? I mean, you got to give it up to Jacob a little bit here. You know, he might have been a trickster, but at least he was tenacious. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And, and God can work with you where you are. He can work with what you have. He can start with the place where you admit your honest need. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then verse 27 is so pivotal because here's Jacob wrestling with a man who's... He's not even sure who this man is yet. Scholars will tell you that this is, of course, a wrestling match between Jacob and God himself. And in verse 27, the man asked Jacob, What's your name? What is your name? And it's funny to me that, that first of all, they've been wrestling all night and then they're just getting now into introductions, right? And in this corner, you know, now... But when he asked him, doesn't your mind go back to when Isaac asked him some 20-some years earlier? He asked Jacob the same question. You look like, who are you? He basically said. And he's touching and he's feeling and he's asking Jacob who you are. And he said, I'm Esau. Because he thought that's what he had to say in order to get, to get the blessing. He said, I'm Esau because Esau was the first one. He said, I'm Esau because in his mind, that's the only way he could get the inheritance. But now Jacob's lived through some things. Jacob has had some life experience. He's seen a lot. And he's been exposed now. And he's at this place where he's all alone, the scripture says. He's in the dark. And he finally says, after 97 years, it's taken almost a century of Jacob being on the earth. But finally, Jacob says the only thing he ever really needed to say in the first place. 
And He becomes the only person that He ever needed to be to get the blessing God always wanted Him to have. He said, I'm Jacob. He said, I am Jacob. And when He said, I'm Jacob, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Once Jacob admitted and came to terms with who he was, I am Jacob. God could show him who he had the potential to become. Israel triumphant. In a moment, he was changed. Not pretending to be Esau, if we would ever drop our, God, our guard and strip ourselves of our costume, come before God and, and others and honestly try and quit convincing people who you are and come before Him. And when you're alone, you and God, when we finally come to that place where we have nobody to prove anything to except for God and live through an audience of one, if we would admit, ever really admit who we really are, God could really show us who He has designed us to become from this point forward. And He said to Jacob, from now on, you will be, you will have a new name. God does not leave us at that point. When we are honest with Him and ourselves, God says to Jacob, you will now have a new name. Now that He's taken on the gift of that new name, He said, you no longer are Jacob, but you are Israel. And it's confusing a little bit, because if you ever study the Scriptures... For the rest of Jacob's life, he's called both. In fact, even after Jacob is dead and gone, they still refer to him in the Scripture. They still refer to Israel as Jacob and Jacob as, as Israel. It goes back and forth. Because God never wants us to forget this account of who Jacob was in that pivotal moment in verse 27 where he finally admits, I am Jacob. And God said, now I can bless you. Sometimes they call him Jacob, the heel grabber. Sometimes they call him Israel. Which all brings us back to the burning bush. When God is ready to reveal himself to Moses, the murderer, the one who struggled, remember, with his own sense of security, the one who had a great calling but was also very conflicted. Moses wants to know, God, who are you? What kind of God am I speaking to here? Who is this? Now, if you're God, and I know that's a stretch, and I'm glad you're not, and you want to identify yourself, and you want to, if you're God, right, and you want to identify yourself, like, like if you're God, and you want to give all the people through Moses an idea of who you are and, and, and what your name will be for all generations. I mean, I would say, if you were God, I would say, God, here, let me make a few, let me suggest something to you. Maybe, God, when you identify yourself, when you want to call yourself the God of Abraham, we, you know, we see a great faith, a man of great faith, Abraham. And, God, if you want to you know, associate yourself with the God of Isaac, I get that because Isaac himself had great faith. The God of, Jake, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And maybe I would say, God, use, use the Israel part. You, the God of Israel, yes. But Jacob? You see, you want to align yourself, God, from a PR perspective with Israel, right? Not really, not really Jacob, the heel grabber. I am the God of, when he's speaking with Moses, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel would go over better. But you know what? That's not how God works. 
Something interesting about God. He is not ashamed to be identified with all the parts of you that you think you need to hide. And so when he gets ready to announce his name and he tells Moses, I am the God of Abraham. Moses, got it, God, Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. Yes, Isaac. And Jacob. I'm the God of the heel grabber, God says. I'm the God of the deceiver. I'm the God of the scoundrel and the scandalous. I'm the God of the screwed up, the messed up, the inside out. I am the God of Jacob. I am glad that he told me he's the God of Jacob. Because that's the part that lets me know that he's the God of that part of me too. It lets me know that I don't have to dress up and pretend to be anybody else to get the blessing that God has for me in that moment. He said, I am Jacob. And God said, now that Jacob, you have owned who you are, let me tell you who you can become. You are Israel. And you realize in those moments that what you've been grasping for your whole life, God was trying to give you all along as a gift, Jacob. Jacob, who was trying to claw his way into a blessing, already had the blessing. He just had to admit who he really was. So today, what costume is it that you're wearing that you need to shed? What ways are you trying to appear more fine and impressive than you really are? What's the layer that God's trying to peel back off of you to show you, you know what, I love you in that state anyway. I love you in those patterns. I love you. See, most of us are taught, the theologian uh, Richard Rohr says that in order to experience God's love, we must change to be something He can love. The gospel teaches us that it is the experience of God's love that changes us. It's not our change that enables the love of God. It's the love of God that enables our change. Amen? So God says to every backslidden person, He says to every broken person, He says to every hurting and confused and complicated and convoluted person this morning, that I'm the God of you too. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of your dark side. I'm the God of your weak moments. I will meet you where, you're, where you are. We sang a lot of songs this morning mentioning the night. God says, I am the God of the dark night of the soul. I will meet you there. I'm the God who sees you in the places where you are cracked. And that's where my light shines through. I'm grateful for the God of Jacob. And so, Moses, if you're feeling you don't have what it takes, and you fear that you don't have, you're not enough, you needn't look any farther than the God of Jacob. Jacob, the one who could never grab enough heels to get ahead, but the one who ended up blessed in the end. You are now Jacob. You are now Israel. You're now Israel. This whole thing started not because you had what it took, but because God had what you needed. And everything that He has is in you if you are in Him. 
He says, I am the God of Jacob. And even though you may be confused, and even though you may not know what the next step is in your life, and even though you're not sure, and, and, and you're not exactly positive what this is all about, this life, this Christian life is all about, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the faithful. I'm the God of Isaac. And I am the God of Jacob. Jacob. The heel grabber. You feel like you don't have what it takes? We started off this message saying, you know, this is a big, big question about being qualified, being really the question, do I have what it takes? You don't need to have what it takes. You've already got it. You don't need to search for it. God says, I'm the God of Jacob. In the dark places, in the insecure places of your life. In other words, God says, you know what? You don't, you don't have to measure up and then come to me. You don't have to clean yourself up so that I can change you. It's God love, God's love in you that changes you. That's the process. Randy. He's like, it's 1130. What do you mean, Randy? <laughs> I know what you're all thinking. God is the God of Jacob. And he's the God of those places in your life too. And in order to live a godly life as a godly parent, as a godly person, as a godly wife, a godly husband, you say, oh, I don't, I really don't have what it takes. Just allow God in your life. Just allow God to speak to you. And how do we do that? Well, we read his word. We go to him in prayer. We hang around other people who have experienced God just a little bit, maybe a little while in their life. And as you do that, you don't, and a lot of people say, like the, uh, the mistaken, mistaken uh, theologian that said, you know, you have to change, you have to give something, God something he can work with. He can work with you. <laughs> he can work with you the way you are, right where you are. So as we close this morning and we've asked the Holy Spirit to go before us in this service and prepare the way for His Word. And I trust that He's done that this morning. So would you stand this morning? It's a great song, Randy. It's a great choice. But if you would, just take a moment this morning like we say in all our services and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? What are you saying to me through this Genesis and Exodus exploration that we've done this morning? Because I believe that God's Word doesn't return void. And that if you really ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? You may have come in here and... and, and had that attitude forever <laughs> that you don't have what it takes you don't have what it takes you say God I don't have what it takes to make these decisions <laughs> God I don't have what it takes to raise these here kids 
God, I really don't have what it takes to figure this marriage out. God, I don't have what it takes to figure out life. I don't have what it takes to make the next big decision, God, that's before me this week. I don't have what it takes, God, to go through this next surgery. I don't have what it takes, God, to go through this next challenge. You know, a lot of times God will say, yeah, you're right, you you don't have what it takes. Three words, but I do, God says. I will give you the strength you need. I will give you the very next breath you inhale. And that's all you need to know sometimes from God. It's really one word, trust. And as we look at the lens of life through God's sovereign, through the lens of God's sovereignty, we look at life through the lens of God's sovereignty. We understand we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all the answers today. All we need to do is trust that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He's going to do. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of those places in your life where you feel like you've fallen short or that you've had to pretend. And when you come to a place of honesty where you are who you are in front of God, because there's no fool in God anyway, I don't know if you know that, God already knows it, so you might as well spill it, one preacher said to me once. But if you come to that place where you're absolutely honest before God and you say, God, I am who you created, and I feel like I've fallen short, God says, oh, you're right where I want you. That's where I can use you. Jacob spent all those years pretending to be someone and to have a blessing that he never really earned. And it was only in that place where he was honest and he said, you know what? I am Jacob. God said, that's where I want you. That's where I want you. Now I can work with you. And God gave him a new name and a new purpose and a new outlook and a new blessing. And that's exactly what he wants to do for us. It's exactly what he wants to do for us. Would you bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, this morning, God, we come before you. Not pretending, God, because we really can't pretend in front of you anyway. You know who we are. You created us. So, Father, as your creation, we stand before you just as you made us, just as we are. As the song says, just as I am. Just as you said, God, to Moses, tell the people, I am sent you. God, we stand before you just as we are. Honest, stripped down, all is revealed, transparent. Not pretending anymore. Not pretending we have it all together. Not pretending, Lord, we, uh, we think we have what it takes. Or not putting on a front God saying, yep, we got it all together. Look at us. But God, we come to you in transparency and honesty and say, God, we don't. We don't have it all together. In fact, God, inside some of us, we would say that we're actually desperately falling apart. So God, we come before you this morning. Some of us hurting, desperate for you.
And I pray, God, that you would meet each person where they are this morning and that people would put down their guard and take off their costume this morning and they would be before you, God, transparent so that, God, you can bless our lives. We can receive, God, the true blessing that you have for us when we are honest before you. With the heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd share with you this morning that it just occurred to me that this word that we use in church sometimes called sanctification, if we are sanctified, that means that we've given our all to God. And really just four words, absolute honesty before God is what one, one uh, theologian said to me one time. That being sanctified before God, being sanctified in our lives are really just those four words. Absolute honesty before God. And so as we stand before God, stripped down, transparent, nothing between you and Him. You would say, God, I'm done acting like I have it all together. And God, I come before you asking for your blessing. Because, Lord, I am finally transparent. I don't have to put on the facade. I don't have to fake it. I don't have to put anything on, Lord. This is who I am. This is who we are. God, would you bless me? With everybody bowing their heads and nobody looking around, I would ask this morning that if that's you this morning, if you're ready to receive from God what He has for your life, if you're ready to give Him your entire life, not just a compartment, not just saying, oh, this is my church place, this is my workplace, this is my parent place, this, not these compartments, but you're ready to give God your entire life and live for Him. We would say that's sanctification, being set apart, being absolutely honest before God, because that's where you receive the blessing. If you've been holding back, giving everything to God, Today is your opportunity. Today is your day. You say to me, Pastor, that's me. I've been holding back a little. I've been sort of compartmentalizing my spiritual life with God. And, you know, I, I act like a spiritual guy one day and a, and a spiritual lady one day. But the next day I sort of fall in with the crowd. And I'm ready to stop that because that's not really truly who I am. And that God can bless me when I am transparent and sell out. And expose who I truly am. God wants to give you that blessing this morning. If that is you this morning, today's your day. Because I want to pray for you. I want to help you through that. Your church wants to come around you and help you through that. So if that's you this morning, you say, you know what, I, I need to give it all to Him. No more compartmentalizing. If that's you, just slip your hand up this morning and say, Pastor, that's me. I've been walking around far too long acting like I have it together. God will meet you right where you are and you say, you know what? I am Jacob. <laughs> I am Jacob. This is me, Lord, at my weakest. This is me, Lord, at my most transparent. And I'm ready to give it to you, Lord, always and all 100%. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that is me. I'll pray for you and your church will help you get through that. Praise the Lord. 
if you've never had a moment with God where you've surrendered your life to Him at all, and this is the first time you're hearing that. You say, I never knew I could even turn my life over to God. I never even knew that, let alone take a next step. And I'd like to do that. I'd like to begin a relationship with that God you spoke about, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and even you, Jacob. You say to me, Pastor, pray for me. I'd like, I'd like to receive this, Lord, this God you're talking about in my life. If that's you this morning, don't leave here the same as you came in. This is your opportunity. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need a relationship. I need to start listening to this God who has said, you know, I am the God of you. Abraham, Isaac, and you. He sees you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants that. He's calling to you this morning. If there's anybody in this place, don't hesitate. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Praise the Lord. God, I thank you for meeting us here this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for preparing the way and speaking to hearts. And I pray, Lord, that we would not leave here the same as we came in. And that, Lord, you would meet us right where we are, just like you did Jacob when he admitted exactly who he was. Through all of his shortcomings and all of his deceit and all of his heel grabbing and all of, Lord, his, uh, his, his deceitfulness through all his life, he was ready to admit, I am Jacob. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us through, meeting us where we are in life and seeing us through those dark nights and seeing us through the dark times, Lord, in our life, meeting us right where we need you the most. For God, when we are weak, you are strong. Thank you, Lord, for blessing this congregation in a way, Lord, that we don't see very often. I thank you, Lord, for taking, uh, taking just the few songs that we sang this morning in praise and everything that we did and said in this place, God. I want you, Lord, to know that it is for your glory. And everything that we do in this place is for your honor and to push you out in front. Now, Father, go with us as we leave this place. But, God, may we not depart from your presence as we go. Be with us, Father, in Jesus' name I pray, and for his sake. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. God bless you.